Hey, hello everyone. Welcome to This Week in Mormons, the Twim Sisters edition with Ariane Smith and Tiffany Hales. We're back. We missed November. November flew, flew. by. <laughs> flew. Like, seriously. Jeff emailed us last week and said, do you want a podcast? And we were like, oh yeah, we do that, huh? Well, I think he emailed <laughs> us like, are you still alive? <laughs> But here we are. Yes, yes, here we are. So in the throes of Christmas, and as you and I were just discussing right before we got on the air, it just feels like, I feel like I can't even keep up. You know, every day I'm making these massive to-do lists between stuff I need to get done at work, personal stuff I need to get done, and like I, I feel like I don't even get a break, you know, I'm just, I, I, but I shouldn't say I'm enjoying it. I'm trying to, you know, step back and enjoy and not feel like, Ugh. yeah, but it, you know, we were talking about, you know, it feels like this Christmas or this December is out of control. And maybe in part that is yes. because Thanksgiving was so late. That's my theory. Thanksgiving was so late that we're cramming everything into less weeks than what we usually have. Exactly. Because as soon as thanks, well, Thanksgiving weekend wasn't even over with and it was December 1st. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I, I agree with that. So including the annual Ward Christmas party. Oh yes. Ward Christmas parties. You had yours, right? Yes. So we, we and we had ours and then you had your release society yeah, Christmas fact, party and we have our release society Christmas party yes. coming up and she brought us all the leftovers from her release society I, Christmas party. I did. That we're going to use for ours tomorrow night. This is the beauty of us having the same calling right now. <laughs> it's so true. So we are both on I mean you are enrichment leader. I'm just on the enrichment committee, which is an formerly known as enrichment. Formerly known as enrichment. Yes. <laughs> Relief society activities cuz I still technically have my priesthood calling. Oh, right. I haven't been released from my priesthood calling. It didn't release you yet? My priesthood calling is my main calling. The committee member is just kind of a secondary calling. No, I haven't got released yet. Your ward is just <laughs> violating handbook all over the place. I know. I know. <laughs> anyway, so I think our ward Christmas parties, I remember we talked oh, and right. they were on the same night. They were on the same night. So um, ours ours was lovely. They, they did a dinner, although I had to laugh. You know, my assignment was funeral potatoes, although they didn't call them funeral potatoes. They called them cheesy potatoes. So we have ham, mm -hmm. rolls, salad, and cheesy potatoes. Our Christmas dinner that is looks remarkably like a funeral dinner. That's funny. Our ward also had funeral potatoes uh -huh. and rolls and salad, but we had turkey this year instead oh. of ham. I feel like Jeff should put up some type of poll on the oh, Facebook yes. page about what did you eat at your ward Christmas party. I agree. Because I would argue that within the United States... Wouldn't you guess like 90% serve funeral potatoes? Oh, absolutely. I think it is. I think it is a Christmas dinner, uh, a, a funeral dinner incognito called a Christmas dinner. Yes. Not that I mind. I no. like it. <laughs> I, you know, I don't mind either, except, you know, I do have to say the first year we lived in this ward, I was put in charge of the Christmas dinner. And I decided because I was, you know, I... I don't know. I love the cheesy potatoes, but I'm not a fan of much anything else right. when it comes to the, mm -hmm. the funeral dinner. And so I decided to do um, chicken Parmesan. So we had chicken Parmesan and noodles with pesto and green salad and mm. rolls and everybody brought a dessert. It was so fun because it was really kind of unexpected for a Christmas it dinner. Is, it is fun to change it up sometimes. So... 
It is good. Just saying. But I also have to say our ward Christmas party, um, the committee who did the decorating, the decorating was amazing. They did a really good job with the decorating. They had borrowed a ton of stuff. Mm-hmm. And then they had these centerpieces. And half the centerpieces were these little kind of fakey green Christmas trees that looked like they came from the dollar store. The others were in kind of a tin bucket that had some twine wrapped around it. And then she had taken sticks and painted them white held the sticks in the tin bucket with rocks and put a little greenery around. Mm -hmm. It was so cute. And at the end, she said, you know, oh, anybody who wants to take a centerpiece can take a centerpiece. I took one look at that centerpiece and it totally matched my Christmas decorations. So I might have taken not just one, but maybe two of them home. (laughs) (laughs) So tell me about your Ward Christmas party. Um, My Ward Christmas party was lovely. I had the dilemma that most parents of small children have at the ward Christmas party. I've come to believe that there's no way around it. If you are a parent of children 12 or younger, the ward Christmas party is stressful. Okay, I'm, I'm going to second that. <laughs> because you've got kids you're worrying about running amok in the church. We're always like trying to keep our kids like in the room with us because a we don't want them running amok yeah. just destroying the church <laughs> or walking out the door yes. going for a hike yes. be breaking into cars exactly exactly <laughs> tearing up hymn books all kinds of things mayhem that could yes. ensue <laughs> and then b you just i'm just not super comfortable with them running around yeah. i mean our ward is so big and you know people invite people from all over and i just I'm fearful of losing a child. (laughs) Well, I mean, I think it's not only realistic to be fearful of losing a child, because it's true. People invite a lot of friends Mm -hmm. and family to the Ward Christmas party. Uh, You know, it is is ripe, unfortunately, sadly, in our day and age, that one of those kids could get cornered in a classroom or a bathroom or something like that and be be subject to abuse. So anyways, so yeah. So it is stressful. And this year, like I said, our party was lovely. Uh-huh. The food was delicious. The program was really long. <laughs> and I can't, you know, it's a tough balance. I can't blame the people that do the program because yeah. they're trying to balance, you know, this is supposed to be spiritual. Yeah. This is supposed to satisfy all age age. Ranges. ranges. Yes. They can't just cater to, you know, yeah. the primary kids. But this year for the program, they showed the video, the new video of oh, the nativity, okay. which is absolutely oh, lovely it's beautiful. and amazing. But it's also like 20 minutes long, at least 20 yeah. minutes long. So us- and, and you really need to be <laughs> in a place that you could be reverent to really appreciate it. Right. And it was tricky because we have a really big ward and the gym was full and packed and the screen- yeah was, you know, tiny from yeah. far away. Anyways, um, so it was 20 minutes of us just like threatening our children. Like, <laughs> Within an inch of their lives. Sit down. Shut up. Be sit quiet. Down, sit down. Sit down. I'll give you another cookie. <laughs> so Ooh, anyways. sugar bribery I like. Upon our discussion afterwards, we have determined, my husband and I, that the only solution for a ward Christmas party with small children is Santa Claus. Oh. I'm pretty sure that's the only thing. 
that yeah. that works with small kids yeah. at a church Christmas party. It's I know like it's the very, bribery of saying, hey, Santa's going to come. you got to yes. behave or you're not going to get to see him. Yeah, I think so. And I know this is very controversial because we have lived in wards, many wards in many different states over our uh-huh. time of being married. We've been married 20 years, one time. In one ward has Santa appeared. Really? At the ward Christmas party. We have never lived in a ward where Santa came. And I have to say, the year that Santa came, which was maybe two or three years ago. Okay. It was here when we moved here, maybe our first Christmas here. The year that Santa came, that was the easiest year with our kids. Oh, dang. You know what it is? I think it's the anticipation. I think uh-huh. if they know Santa's coming, they're not leaving that gym. Oh, because he could walk in at any moment. Yes. That is a really good thought. Now, see, it has been more the exception than the rule for me that Santa that it is, that Santa doesn't come. So your ward loves the Santa. Well, not so much anymore. But um, our previous bishop, and, and I don't know if our I don't know how our current bishop feels about it. But our previous bishop was very, very pro Santa. Mm-hmm. Like Santa was going to come. In fact, one year, okay, if you have small kids, turn this down right now. If your small kids are in the room, one year my husband played Santa. <laughs> And so I probably sat on Santa's lap and made out with Santa. Okay, I did make out with him. I kissed him. (laughs) At the party? At the party. (laughs) Well, they... Nobody else was in the room except for our family, but yeah. (laughs) Anyway, so that is a very interesting thought. I don't know. This is what I was thinking. And... Last night, as I was preparing for our uh-huh. podcast cruising articles, I happened upon very conveniently just posted this week on LDS Living. You gotta love LDS oh, Living. Oh, you gotta love LDS Living. They posted an article titled "What Prophets Have Said About Santa Claus." Oh no, I did not know prophets had opinions on oh, Santa Claus. I immediately clicked on this because I'm all of a sudden very pro Santa Claus at the church Christmas party, and I thought if this can back me up and give me some evidence for being pro Santa Claus. At the church Christmas party, I'm gonna have to read this article. So I clicked on it. It was just kind of funny. It was just mm-hmm. they like compiled a bunch of different yeah. qu- quotes from prophets and apostles yeah. over the years that where they had mentioned Santa Claus. Lots of these are from like yeah. first presidency Christmas devotionals. Mm. Anyways, I believe I'm not currently a, a sitting member of Ward Council, but when my day comes, I may have to take this article with me to Ward Council. When the Christmas party arises and discuss the evidence. And, and lobby for Santa at yes. the Christmas party. I love <laughs> because it. Because there are some funny quotes, but actually the best one, they have one by um, Elder Faust, James E. Faust. And um, he was just like touting the wonderful attributes of Santa. He said he gets fun out of his job. He's childlike, simple, humble, sincere, and forgiving. He's a giver. His philosophy is to give himself away in service. He's a friend to everyone. He smiles. And then he says, if we emulated Santa Claus a little more, for his way is the way of the infant Jesus also. Oh, I like that. I know. I I mean, there you go. There you go. Although Santa Claus does tend to frighten some small children. (laughs) It's true. I do currently have one of those. So Santa Claus is not the solution for all children. (laughs) Oh, yes. So, yes, we survived the ward party. It was great. I mean, our our ward always does a great job, and and, um, it was great. But 
there were some heated moments. Uh, you know, and you are not the only one because it was kind of interesting. The Sunday following our ward party, we had, it must have been a Relief Society Sunday uh, because, well, I don't know if it was Relief Society. It, it, in any event, this comment came out in second hour. There was another mom of young children who was talking about how she uh, was commiserating with somebody else in our ward about the stressfulness of young children and the Christmas party for that very reason, just keeping them corralled and not right. out of control and within your sight. So. <laughs> So I'm afraid yes. you are not alone in those feelings. Universal challenge. It is universal. All right, let's move on to some stories in the news. Now, the first story we're going to start with tonight actually came out about a month ago. Now, Jeff and Al talked about this, and then the week after that episode, Dev or Jeff and Devin talked about this. And um, I don't think these bi- these men have any business talking about this topic. <laughs> Okay. Disney I am very passionate I am about very this. passionate about this. What is the topic you say? The Real Housewives of Salt Lake City. As was announced, The Real Housewives of Salt Lake are, of, of Salt Lake City is coming to Bravo. Right. Um you and I were together when we yes. learned about this because we were celebrating my birthday. We were out celebrating her birthday. We may have like verbally expressed our enthusiasm in a restaurant. Uh, squealing. Yes. Just squealing with delight. And then, of course, we were trying to absorb every little detail we could find <laughs> on the internet because you see, Arianne Smith and I, we are Real Housewives super fans. I go back to the original Real Housewives, which was the Real Housewives of Orange County and the original cast. That is how long I have been listening to this. This is why I have street cred in saying to Jeff and Al and Devin, stay in your lane, boys. (laughs) Stay in your lane. And the Real Housewives is not your lane. In fact, I think Jeff even admitted to that in a podcast when he was saying, yeah, they're really not... uh, uh, Preach into my demographic. That's right, Jeff. Not your lane. No, I'm sure he did not love reporting on that story. <laughs> anyway. But don't fear. We're here to help you out, Jeff. We are here to help you out, be the super yes. fans that we are. So we've outed ourselves before that we oh, are yes. Housewife fans. It took me many years to admit that publicly because of all the shows I watch on TV, it is by far... The trashiest. Of course it is. And I am so excited because I have so many friends now that are so curious about the Salt Lake Housewives that they are going to start slumming it with us. Exactly. And watching the Housewives. Exactly. I'm equally terrified and excited because this could be... Real bad. So the discussion that you and I had, so we immediately started scouring the internet to see who is going to be on the cast. Because while they've announced the show, they have not announced the cast. Right. And the question is, is would the cast be made up of any members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints? Because if you've watched this show, you typically know there is usually generally a whole lot of drinking going on and a whole lot of girl fighting going on. Which is sometimes kind of outside the comfort level of members of the church. Right. So we have been scouring the internet. Um, We have found a couple of articles. Scott Pierce from the Salt Lake Tribune wrote one. And then I found one on Showbiz Cheat Sheet that talks about who are the real housewives of Salt Lake City and the rumored cast members. So we're going to take just a minute and discuss the rumored cast members of the real housewives of Salt Lake City because, as I said... We're super fans. 
Okay, so the first rumored house member, housewife, is a woman by the name of Lisa Barlow. And she and her husband, John, have a business called Vida Tequila. And they also, I think she also has a marketing business and she also has a restaurant up in Park City. Now, um, she has described herself as an quote unquote active Mormon. Right. And that they're raising their kids. They're raising the their church, kids or their in, kid the in the church. So they met at Brigham Young University. Uh, her husband did serve a mission. Um, and her status of considering herself to be an active Mormon, I guess, define, depends on how you define active because she has this liquor business. And I've read several different articles and it kind of appears clear that like, she is familiar with the products that she sells. Oh, Let's really? put it that way. Oh, interesting. <laughs> so um, anyway, in reading about all of the proposed cast cast members, they always kind of have a queen bee. Uh-huh. I am tagging her to be the queen bee of this show. Well, they've got to love her story. I mean, nothing beats that. Oh, a member yeah. of... The church who owns a tequila company. Exactly. They'd be all over that. Exactly. And they started this tequila company in 2007. And I guess it's, um, it's a kind of a high end tequila. Mm -hmm. And the tequila market at that time was not really booming. And it's kind of really booming these days. And so they've gotten a lot of good press on that. Um, and like I said, she does have two sons. Um, one is a teenager and the other's five or six years old. The next rumored housewife is a woman by the name of Heather Gray. She is a co-owner of a cosmetic medical practice, Beauty Lab and Laser, and co-host of the Live Love Lab podcast, which I've never heard of. So I haven't. And we don't know her church status. We don't know her church status. We don't know much about her. We just know that she is passionate about women's empowerment. And her Instagram is private, at least as of now, so not much is known about her. Um, or her marriage status. She has a 16-year-old daughter, um, and that much we know. So then we have Angie Harrington, and she's the owner of what's called the Fashion Fuse, and this is a blog. She does a lot of um, blogging on fashion. She has a seven-month-old son with her husband, who is a CEO of Zanti.ai, whatever that is, but she has two older sons, Rome and Cole, and her ex-husband is Brett Ingeman. Now, just because, you know, we are all connected here in the Latter-day Saint world of show business, Brett's sister is um, Sean King, who is married to Larry King, and their father was the Osmonds manager and was a producer, uh, vice president at Capitol Records. And And he was former BYU quarterback, right? Well, not the father, but her son, her first husband was. Yeah, the first husband. The first husband was. Okay. So she's probably a member, right? Or was at some point in time? Well, or we don't know. I probably a member at some point in time. I, you know, we don't know her, her current status with mm-hmm. regards to the church. Okay. But yes, because Sean King will tell you that she is a member of the church. Right. All right. Then we have Meredith Marks. Uh, she is a celebrity favorite uh, jewelry designer and several other, um, Rihanna has worn her jewelry. Tinsley from Real Housewives of New York has, has worn her jewelry. Apparently so has um, the bachelorette, Hannah Brown. So um, we don't know 
again, we, we have limited details on her. I guess she has a shop in Park City. Okay. She has three children, Brooks, Chloe, and Reed, uh, with the CEO and chief merchandising officer for Hillco Wholesale Solutions. However, it is unclear if the couple is still together because he seems to live in Chicago while she lives in Utah. So, okay. We don't know too much about that just yet. I'm sure all of that will come out in the show. The next rumored castmate is Sarah MacArthur Pierce. She is a mental health advocate and life coach um, and also owns Sarah MacArthur Designs. Now, she is from American Fork, which would tend to lead you to believe that perhaps she might be LDS. Right. And, and maybe she has some LDS ties, but I went on to her... Um, to her blog, the Sarah MacArthur Designs, mm-hmm. and um, she has some colorful language on there. <laughs> so generally speaking, again, I'm making generalizations, most active members of the church wouldn't have colorful language on a public forum that is their blog. Okay. So then we have Whitney Rose, and Whitney owns a skincare line named Iris and Bow, and her claim to fame... <clears throat> is she is married to the chief sales officer of the controversial Mormon multi-level marketing company, Life Vantage. I have never heard of that one. Have I've you? never heard of that one either. I just looked it up and it's, I don't know, you know. Just like your average MLM. Your average MLM. <laughs> Take our product. It'll cure everything that's ever wrong with you. Okay. Um, she is from Provo and she shares five children with him. So there oh, is a good, high, high possibility chances. that she is a member of the church. Very, very high odds. And then our last rumored castmate is a woman by the name of Jen Shaw. And she owns a marketing agency called the Shaw Squad. Her husband, um, she has two sons with, um, let's see, she has two sons with her husband and who is a, um, he is the special teams coordinator for the University of Utah. Okay. So, and he also was on the University of Utah football team. So. That is what the rumors are with regards to the casting of the Real Housewives of Salt Lake. Very interesting. I love how they snuck a little MLM tie in there. You know, you've got to make it authentic. It would not be a a Utah-based reality show if you didn't have an MLM in there. Yes. (laughs) Okay, here is what I think. We have not run this idea by Jeff, so he might be hearing this for the first time now. I think that Jeff needs to let us recap this show once a week, once it comes on, because there will be many new women, new to this housewives garbage. That will want to hear our thoughts. That need some navigation through the dark waters. Exactly. And there is no one better to navigate through those dark waters of the Real Housewives of Salt Lake than the two Real Housewives super fans who are sitting at this microphone (laughs) right here, right now. So there you go, Jeff. Think about that. Think about that. All right. Okay. I'll get. I'll. I'll. I'll get. I'll get off my soapbox for the Real Housewives, and uh, and uh, we can move on to another okay. story now. Other are other stories in the news this week. Um, so this one is not a new story, but it is very newly implemented. I know the church announced. I'm not sure how long ago that Family Search would be changed to be able to show same sex relationships 
on the records of yes. Family Search. How long ago did they announce that? Six months? Maybe? Oh, I I want to say it was earlier than that. Okay. Or it wasn't it wasn't that long ago. Not too long ago. Not anyway. too long ago. I think it was obviously definitely sometime within 2019. Right. I want to say it was maybe the summertime. Okay. So the change has been implemented and there is an official Q&A um, on the Family Search website answering all the questions. They again emphasize that same-sex relationships may not be sealed. Um but that they can, they will, they're up and running, ready yes. to show up on Family Search, and that um, they will provide the ability for all users to document all family relationships, um, which, of course, was the driving force behind this yes. in this modern day. If you want to have a accurate genealogy database record of family history. Very true. But so, it's really interesting in the article because every question in there, you know, frequently asked questions, then they mm -hmm. give the question and then their answer. I swear every answer in there says, you may not be sealed. <laughs> Children may not be sealed to same-sex parents. Same-sex couples may not be sealed. I mean, like every answer is, this does not change temple ordinances. Right. Um, and they were very careful to emphasize they that. Were they were very Any confusion over this. So yes, you can't click temple ready for that ceiling. Yes. <laughs> Don't Print even me a card. <laughs> All, All right. right. Um, next article. Oh, I think I'm next. Oh, are you next? Well, yeah. I got this missionary. Oh, the missionary. Oh, yes. Okay. Sorry. This one is super interesting. This one just came out this week. This was a Salt Lake Tribune article. And this was about a missionary that came home from his mission over a disagreement with the church on gay marriage. Yes. So super interesting. This missionary is actually from, happens to be from Idaho, from Meridian, Idaho. Um, let's see. What is his name? Adam Smart. Adam Smart. So Adam Smart left for his mission uh, before his mission uh, sounds from the sounds of the article, his family was fairly inactive. He was the only active yes. family member because his mom had come out as gay. Well, I think what had happened when I read the article is when the church policy, ex the 2015 policy, right. the November, 2015 policy that talked about, you know, um, uh, children of um, same-sex couples couldn't be baptized, etc. It says he really struggled with that. And I think it was right after that, his family started leaving right. the church, that they were all struggling with the policy. He came back around and regained his testimony. But in the process of all of that, um, his mother did come out right. as gay. His mother did come out as gay. Um he came back around exactly as you said. He went off to college, but he really did soul searching, gained his own testimony, um, figured out how he was coming to peace with this, you know, his personal views on gay marriage versus the churches. So decided uh, to make peace with it, came around, decided he wanted to go on a mission. So he got all of his paperwork in, uh, talked to his stake president here, passed everything. Um, stake president was well aware of his views on gay marriage. You know, he was very open. I don't agree with the church's stance on gay marriage, but I want to go teach and I will not. This is not something I'm planning yeah. to preach. This he is, said I'll keep he my would, views personal. Yeah, he I'll said he would keep his views private. Yeah, he would keep his personal views private. 
So um, his state president signs off, says, yes, you can go on a marriage. He gets called to California. You Cal- mean on a mission? On a mission. Did I say marriage? <laughs> you said marriage. <laughs> Getting all those marriage mixed up. So, yes. He so goes yes. to California. He goes to California Venture, California Mission. Yes. Um, the reason this whole thing became an issue on his mission, it may have never come up, but on his way to leaving the MTC, on his way to fly to California, he lost his wallet in the airport. That had his temple recommend. That had his temple recommend. So when he gets to California, he has to get a new temple recommend from his mission president. So he gets there, mission president gets to know him, gets to know his story, starts interviewing him for the recommend, um, knows about his situation with his mom. His viewpoint. Right, his viewpoint. gay marriage. Discusses that at length in the temple recommend interview and decides he can't give him a temple recommend because of his views, because his views are opposite of the, the church's, the church's. stance. And, and he's devastated by this. The yes. missionary is devastated by this. He says he went in the bathroom and sobbed, I believe. Right. Yeah. And and this is a good example of the leadership lottery yes. that we sometimes have. And, and And I'm not faulting the mission president at all, because I think that... Um, you know, and I think this is true for a lot of leaders. You know, when when you go through an experience, um, you know, the church obviously has very strong feelings on same sex relationships, mm-hmm. and when you have the experience of dealing with someone that is close to you that is impacted by a same sex relationship, as a leader, I think you really. Well, you, I don't. I don't know if you always do, but it always presents itself as an opportunity for you to learn and grow as a leader. Right. And I would presume that this was kind of maybe the first time this mission president had ever maybe seriously been confronted with this issue of, mm-hmm. you know, a member who believes something different than what the church teaches. And he was very upfront with his mission president saying, this is my personal belief, but I still have a testimony. And um, I do not intend to preach that belief on my mission. That is something I will keep to myself. Right. So then it comes up, can he stay on his mission? Without a temple recommend. He doesn't have a temple recommend. And I guess a member of the 70 is called to consult on this. I guess they call the state president back in Idaho to consult on this. And it sounded like they all kind of left it. Let's take a week, think about this, pray about this and revisit it. Um, Because their initial reaction was he couldn't stay without his recommend. Right. The initial from the 70s said, no, you need to have a temple recommend if you're, if you're a missionary. Um, So, the mission president, I guess a few days later, calls him in and says, I was wrong. I'm sorry. After praying about this yeah. and thinking about this and struggling with this, I, th- I think I was wrong. I think you should have a temple recommend and, and you yeah. are worthy. But at that point, um, the missionary had just been through the ringer and he said- well, He was really hurt. He was hurt. And he said that he had prayed about it himself also, and he had come to peace with the idea of going home and yes. that it was okay for him to go home. So he didn't stay. Oh, I know. That was that was kind of really the saddest part for me 
in in this situation because I think that, like I said, I think the mission president really kind of had a moment of clarity and really kind of, you know, yeah. reached beyond what he maybe initially thought. Yet at the same time, I can certainly understand how incredibly hurt right. this young man was. And, you know, and, and he said he is at peace with his decision to come home. And so, you know, good for him. He's still active in the mm -hmm. church. This hasn't, you know, impacted his testimony. But it, it was really, I, I thought it was just really an interesting article just discussing the struggles that um, leaders as well as members go through when they happen to have beliefs that... Right don't coincide with every teaching of the gospel. Yeah, very interesting. It just brings up the question, you know, can you sustain your leaders without agreeing on everything? Exactly. Um, which is always a big question. And so and people view that differently. Mm -hmm. I mean, some people view sustaining as you have to agree 100%, otherwise right. you're not sustaining. Other people look at sustaining as, I may disagree with that viewpoint, but I will do what is asked of me. I'm not going to speak ill of them. I'm not going to hinder them because right. I disagree. Mm -hmm. And so it, it really is a nuance in how do you define the word sustaining your right. leaders? Yeah. It's kind of subjective. It is kind of subjective, so. but nonetheless, a very interesting story. Yep. Interesting story. All right, what do you have next? All right, my favorite, Tab Cats. Oh, yes. Tab Cats and the Christmas concert. Um, <laughs> and, you know, and speaking of which, just to follow up on that last story, uh, that, and this ties into Tab Cats, Kristen Chenoweth did an interview with The Advocate, which is um, a very famous LGBTQ um, publication. And they were asking her about her LGBTQ activism and her faith and um, kind of asking her about her um, experience with the Mormon Tabernacle Choir. Right. Because well, she herself is very, very devout Christian. Yes, she mm -hmm. is. And she says when people asked her, well, why did you perform with this mm -hmm. institution that doesn't support, support the cause? And she says, just because we don't exactly believe everything the same, the Mormons and I, I feel like music is such a unifying unification thing that we move forward through music. Mm -hmm. And again, I think another great example to say, you know, hey, we don't have to agree on everything and we can focus on the things that we do agree on. Mm -hmm. But uh, that ties into the Tabernacle Choir at Temple Square because there was a very interesting article in the Deseret News about how the Tabernacle Choir uh, Christmas concert became a national tradition. Now, before we had the Tabernacle, they did a Christmas concert every year, but the Christmas concert was really more for church employees. It wasn't the big production that we have now. And then President Hinckley said, let's build us a conference center. Mm -hmm. And once he got his conference center built, he said, this is for performances and this is for community-based activities. And so that's when they really amped up the level of the Christmas concert. Right. So the first Christmas concert was in the year 2000, and that had Gladys Knight, uh, which 
President Hinckley was able to snag her. She'd been a member of the church for a while, and and they snagged her. She was an easy get. She was an easy get. (laughs) Well, the next year, they decided, hey, we want Angela Lansbury. So they extended an invitation to Angela Lansbury. She faxed them back and said, no, thanks, but no thanks. As soon as she hit the fax button, she regretted that decision. And so she quickly called up the choir office and she said, tear up the facts, I'm coming. Mm-hmm. And uh, she was part of the concert that year. And I have to say, that was the first, um, I've attended several of the Tabernacle Choir concerts, and that was the first one that I attended with oh, Angela went? Lansbury. Aww. I loved it. It was just, it's probably one of my favorite mm-hmm. experiences. It was right. so beautiful. And so after that, then they are able to tag other people like they um, got Walter Cronkite, uh, Tom Brokaw, David McCullough, Natalie Cole, Renee Fleming, all sorts of big names. Okay, I thought it was really interesting. It said in that article, wasn't it Walter Cronkite, they said? Yes. That had encouraged the choir leader to kind of make this a thing. Exactly. He I, said, what did he say? The Boston Pops owns New Year's Eve. You guys should own Christmas. Is that what it well, what he said was, and I think he came in 2003, either 2002 or 2003. Uh-huh. What he said was, is he said, oh, it was hey, Vienna. he says, he says to Craig Jessup, who was the then choir director, he says, you know, Craig, I host New Year's Eve with the Vienna Philharmonic every year. Vienna owns New Year's Eve. You should own Christmas. And so that kind of lit the fire that, you know, mm-hmm. hey, we as the Tabernacle Choir, we want to own Christmas. So in 2004, they approached um, the local PBS affiliate, Uh uh, KUED in Utah, and said, hey, we've recorded our concert. You want to show it on your your PBS station? And KUED said, well, sure, why not? Uh And so then a bunch of other PBS stations began picking it up. And um, it is one of the top-rated shows for PBS every single year. It has consistently outperformed Belmont at Christmas, which is another long-running Christmas program at PBS. And um, uh, every it, they have it, they have coverage in every single one of the top fifty media markets in the country. And so PBS actually, national PBS actually aired it tonight on the sixteenth mm-hmm. of December. Um, but many of them will re-air it on Christmas Eve or Christmas Day. And also BYU TV is airing it on the 19th of December. So if you missed it tonight, you can catch a 90-minute version of it on BYU TV. Now, this is last year's? This is last year's. And this year's will air on Christmas Eve? No. Or no, they won't air this year's till next year. Exactly. This always confuses me. (laughs) Exactly. So they are a year behind. Okay. So the one that is airing this year is Is the Christian Christian Chenoweth Which is why she's been going around doing all the press about it. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. And so next year they will air the one that they did with Richard Thomas and... I know he was, and I can't remember who their other guest artist was this year. She was a Broadway yeah, singer. Yeah, she was. A- anyway, so if you, like, I missed the Kristen Chenoweth concert last year. I'm kind of kicking myself because a friend of mine had tickets and I had the opportunity to go, but I just couldn't make it work with my schedule. And I have honestly been dying. I've been mm-hmm. waiting a year to watch the Kristen Chenoweth concert. <laughs> so um, your chance. I plan on catching it later on this week. Um, 
but uh, yeah, that's how it kind of became a turning point. And so now this year marks the 20th year that they have done those Christmas concerts. And it's interesting because they said at first they had a hard time filling the seats and selling out all the tickets, which is probably why I easily got into Angela Lansbury because mm -hmm. we didn't have tickets. We just showed up at the conference center to see if we could get in. And somebody outside had some tickets. They said, oh, we've got some extra tickets and gave them to us. They were like score tickets. They were like middle, center, Ooh, front. Nice. They were nice. Now they get hundreds of thousands right. of requests. So lottery system, right? Lottery system. So now you know how the Tabernacle Choir at Temple Square became to be a national Christmas event and that we as the church now own Christmas. <laughs> there you go. All right. We have had some temple news yes. since last week. They have announced the location of the Orem Temple. Yes. And I believe also the Taylorsville. Yes. Um, so the Orem Temple is going to be off of the University Parkway exit. For those familiar with Provo, that is the yes. Walmart exit. The Walmart UVU so exit. It's just going to be like a mile and a half south of the freeway. Yes. So you so, won't turn to go to Walmart or UVU. You'll turn the other way. The other direction. Like you were going to Geneva Steel if Geneva yes. Steel still existed. Yes. So this will make it five miles from the Provo City Center Temple and five and a half miles from the Provo Temple. That is quite the cluster of temples. That is the cluster of temples. Is that the closest? That's got to be the closest, right? Well, no, there's two in... in uh, either South Jordan or West Jordan, I think the article oh. says, that are like three miles apart from each other. Okay. Like Ochre Mountain. And yeah, Ochre Mountain and Jordan River. Jordan River. Okay. Are like three miles apart okay. from each other. So these are not the closest, but it is quite the cluster. Yes. And I also thought this was super interesting in the article. It said that the mayor of Orem, Richard Brunst, um, said that he sent the church an email four years ago suggesting that the area's growth and expansion of UVU would support a temple. So or a mayor's out lobbying for a temple in his town. <laughs> Can't say that I blame him. <laughs> but yeah, I think it's a great location because it's it's going to easily be seen on the interstate when you're yeah. driving by. And we know the church likes lots of visibility for their temples. I guess it's going to be about a 15-minute walk from... Um, where front runner and the trains and the buses all come. So it will be, um, the accessibility of this temple should be quite easy. Right. And it's very close to what's known as vineyard and vineyard is the former Geneva steel site. Um, they cleaned up all of the Geneva steel and they had this prime property and they've been developing it for oh, the really? last few years. Yes. There's no more Geneva steel there. Oh, honey. Geneva steel hasn't been there for years. Oh, I didn't. I didn't know this. Anyway. So now they've so, got houses there. Yes. Now they've mm. got houses there and lots of starter homes there and young families. And it's been one of the fastest growing cities um, with in, in that population range in the last few years just due to the number of houses uh, mm -hmm. that have been constructed and people moving there. So right. it's a it's a smart location. Yep. And then they also announced the location of Taylorsville, but 
I'm very unfamiliar with Taylorsville, so I won't bore you with the details. I am too. You can I, read the article. I did read Jeff's Twim article, and you know Jeff has been spouting a temple in West Valley City, and okay. apparently this is about as close as you could get to West Valley City, the location, without oh. actually being in West Valley City. Okay, that helps me know where Taylorsville is, because yes. I do know where West Valley City is. Exactly. So they are, they are adjacent. <laughs> and if I recall from the article, I think the temple's pretty close to the 215. Uh-huh. So, which is the beltway, the loop that goes okay. around around Salt Lake. All right. What's next? Okay. Next, we have Department of Homeland Security proposes a 500% increase to fees in fees to access family history records. So, um, as we know, the government keeps all sorts of records, you know, marriages, deaths, mm-hmm. birth, military, uh, all slave records. I have even indexed some slave records before. Um, and so I guess in 2016, they raised the search fee from $20 to $65. And when they did that, the searches dropped off 30%. Well, now they are proposing to raise the search fee from $65 to $240, and the record fee from $6,500 to $385. Well, you can just imagine if the fees are that high, that's going to have a significant impact on genealogy work and people researching and accessing those. So who do we call? Who do we call to the rescue? Mitt Romney. (laughs) Good old Mitt has said... Hey, I want to stop this. I don't like this. And uh, because he says it would hurt family historians, genealogists, and others who need to see the documents of their ancestors. Now, of course, Mitt is represents the state of Utah, and we all know how the state of Utah feels about genealogy. Right. Uh, mainly due in part to the church. It's largely driven by the church. But genealogy, my understanding, is um, quite the hobby for a number of people who aren't even members of the church mm-hmm. who are just interested in their family history. So Namit's not only helping the church, he's he's helping humanity. Right. So um, he says that he understands their budget uh, relies primarily on user fees and that the southern border crisis continues to strain the agency's ability to fulfill its mission because, again, this is homeland security mm-hmm. that all these records fall under. And so he wrote a letter and he says, I'm concerned that drastically raising genealogy programs fees would harm genealogists across the United States without addressing your budgetary concerns. So he said to the agency, send me your annual fee revenue numbers generated by the 18th. I think that means the 18th of December, Uh as well as what the proposed raise in fees would fund. So I think demanding answers. I think Senator Romney wants to make sure that, um, if these fees are being raised, they're going actually to the cost of producing those records. Not, not to a wall. Not to a wall. <laughs> Interesting. I, I never even thought about fees. Clearly, I'm not a genealogist over True. here. Well, you know, and I think but, part of the reason we don't think about it is, you know, we use family search. Right. You know, the church has gone out, I presume, and paid for these records mm-hmm. that all then come into family search that get indexed and then. You know, you use them and, you know, connect your ancestors and stuff. Hmm. But um, anyway. Very interesting. Very interesting. Hmm. All right. And you've got another one for us. I have another one for you. This is 
this is your feel-good Christmas story. This, folks, could be a Hallmark movie. It totally could. In or, fact, a, or a Lifetime movie. I'm pretty sure it's probably the plot line of several different Hallmark movies. I know it has. I feel like I've seen it before. Oh, I know I've seen it before. Okay, so what we have here is we have a Latter-day Saint couple falls in love again after wife's memory loss. So um, we have Laura... Uh, I'm probably going to murder this last name. What would you say? Uh, Fag Faganello. Faganello, I think is how it's pronounced. So we have Laura and Braden. And um, they were married on July 14th, 2016 in the Vancouver, British Columbia Temple. And nine months later, their life took a dramatic turn when she suffered a traumatic head injury. So she was hired to help set up for a business event. And so she says everything was a little chaotic. Uh, she was setting up and she was decorating tables. There were some poles that had been put up for a large tent. And she noticed the poles um, weren't put on flat ground, but she really didn't think anything of it. Um, she was asked to decorate a table in front of one of the poles. As she worked, the wind came up and pulled the pole on top of her head. And she says she can still remember the noise that it made when it hit her head. And she still remembers how she felt. Um, she says everyone was fanning her, telling her not to cry. So then she is walking around the event site and she's wanting her parents to come pick her up because she doesn't, she thinks she's 17 years old. This is crazy. This is crazy. She didn't realize that her parents had moved to Brussels, Belgium three years earlier. This is like my nightmare going back to being 17 again. <laughs> oh, seriously. To not only going back to being 17, but going back to 17 without the wisdom and experience yes. you have now. I think it would be completely different to go back to, to being 17 with the wisdom you have true, now. True, true. But to go back without that wisdom, oh, that is a nightmare. So anyway, then she gets this text message from her husband asking how she's doing. She has no idea who this guy is that's oh. texting her. And she says, I got hit on the head. So he's a couple blocks away and he comes over and she's just kind of stone faced and, you know, not dazed and confused. So he takes her home. And for the next couple of weeks, she doesn't really do anything besides sleep. And it was, and she doesn't really remember anything from that time period. About two weeks after the accident, she remembers waking up freaking out that this guy is next to her because she has no clue who this guy oh is. My goodness. And he's, you know, treating her like his wife. <laughs> and, um, and in her brain, she's like, I have exams to study for. I, I'm in high school. She cannot fathom that she's married living in Canada. So um, they take her to the hospital and they say, you know, you have a really severe concussion. You need to rest. So she does that. And she's in a lot of pain as well. Um, she works with um, a couple of doctors. This is apparently a very rare thing. And so she's trying to stay positive and eager, hoping to regain her memories. She kind of hits rock bottom. She's just feeling kind of trapped, which you right. can kind of imagine. Oh, it would be so weird. It would be so weird to be looking you around. You feel like you're in a marriage that you didn't choose, yeah. even though you did choose it. <laughs> exactly. And to be looking around at where you are going, none of this is familiar to me. Yeah. Um, in fact, she does say, she told Brayden, I couldn't be in a marriage I didn't remember committing to any longer. So they decide to start dating again. So they start dating again, which then allows her to basically fall in love with him again. 
And not only does she have to fall in love with him again, she has to reconnect with friends. She has good friends that she's made living there in Canada that, again, they act like, you know, the friends act like they know everything about her life. And she's like, I don't even know who you are. You're oh. a stranger to me. So she has to <laughs> work on so that. Hard. It would be so hard. So after eight months of dating, her husband reproposes to her. She says yes, and they do a second wedding. Okay, see, this is good. What what would happen if you were like, mm, you're not my type? <laughs> be horrible. That's be so horrible. Luckily, this story has a happy ending. Yes, luckily this this story has a happy ending. Um, that uh, yes, they were able to, and, and as the months have progressed, you know, her healing has come. It's taken a lot of hard work. Just going to church apparently was difficult just because the noise, the chapel right. would be so overstimulating to her brain. But um, she says, and I really like this, and I think this is good marriage advice for anybody, whether you have a memory of your spouse or not. The reason we are still together is because of our efforts to be more like Christ, we were both a little rough around the edges with each other before the accident happened. We had the typical new couple fights and we weren't patient with each other. As we've studied our scriptures together after the accident, we have implemented every lesson into our lives. Hmm. I liked that. Like I said, this is this is a Hallmark Christmas movie right here. Uh, it totally is. You know that some Mormon movie producer is going to get his hands on that. And it'll be in theater soon. Oh, you know what? You're absolutely right. I never thought about that. That'd be a great story for a Mormon movie. Yes. Okay. The last story we have um, is actually about a video that has been circulating online this week. Yes. I believe it dropped Sunday. Yes. I cannot tell you how much I love this video. Oh, it it is so President Nelson accompanying singer Claire Crosby. Now, if you remember Claire Crosby, she is the adorable, beloved little singer. She probably, I think, maybe was three years old when, when she, she started, started singing, like yeah. popping up on YouTube. Um, her dad is a musician, and he sings a lot of songs with her. She's been on Ellen. I think she started out singing a lot of princess songs. Yes. And she's also done some church songs. She just is so darling and has the best, the, the best voice, cutest, sweetest little voice. So this video is of her and her family. In the beginning of the video, it shows them walking up to what appears to be President Nelson's home. Well, what is really interesting in the article that they say is that it is, where is it here? Um, right there. In a home that President Nelson and his first wife, um, uh, Danzel, raised their children. It doesn't say it's his house. It just no. says the home that they raised their children. And it says in Salt Lake City, because doesn't he live in I Bountiful I think he lives now? in Bountiful. So I am guessing perhaps one of his children lives Maybe. in that home. Maybe. Because it was clearly decorated for Christmas. Right, it was. But I was really glad LDS Living came out with this article that gives a little bit more background yes. on the video. And I was glad they did, because the entire video in my head, I was going, is this really his house? Is this really yeah. his house? I was looking at the background. Yeah. I was looking at the furniture. Oh, I thought the same thing. Trying to determine if it was an older person's house or one of his yeah. ch children's homes. <laughs> anyway, her, Claire and her family walk up to the home. President Nelson and Wendy invite them in. They give hugs. There's some other family members there. I'm assuming President Nelson's grandkids. Yeah. and Because there's other little children And there. daughter. And then they sit down at the piano and he plays. Now, did you know he played before you watched this no. video? Neither did I. I was like, Look at him go. I mean, can we 
say we're surprised. I mean, he speaks a bazillion languages. And and doesn't that mean the same part of your brain is playing the piano? I mean, I get (laughs) – it's a dual thing. Part of me – It makes sense, but I was shocked. Yeah, exactly. I mean, part of me is shocked. The other part of me is, well, of course he does. Yes. So I had three things on this video that I was just like flipping out about. Okay. First was him playing the piano. Yes. Because that was amazing. While she sang. And of course, she sang beautifully. Second thing I was flipping out about was President Nelson is wearing a Mr. Rogers sweater and it is perfection. (laughs) I mean... I didn't even notice that. The Mr. Rogers sweater was killing me. And I, you know, I just saw the new Mr. Rogers movie recently. So I have all the love for Mr. Rogers now. And then to see President Nelson, who we usually see in a suit, he had his shirt and tie and his Mr. Rogers sweater in his home. And I was like... This is perfect. Yes. Then uh, the other third thing I noticed that I completely adored was while he was playing the piano and she was singing, there were a couple points where he was like mouthing the words yes. with, with her yes, <laughs> or like whispering yeah. them under his breath. It was just so cute. Yeah. It was very sweet. Anyway, the article talks a little bit about the conversation they had afterwards. Um, she had asked him, how do you know when you feel the Holy Ghost? And he gave her a very sweet explanation. Yes. He said, lots of times you think it's I- ideas that are coming from yourself, but it's really given to us through the Holy yeah. Ghost. And they talked about what their favorite colors were. Yeah. Uh, it was just it was so really sweet. cute. Really cute. So sweet. So if you need some happiness and joy in your life this week and you haven't seen that video yet, go watch it. It will bring you joy. Exactly. Now, normally at this point in the show, we would do Mormons behaving badly. However, we have no stories this month. And we're thrilled. It's a Christmas miracle. (laughs) It is a Christmas miracle. And we're also gearing up because we realize that once these housewives hit hit the TV, we'll probably have lots of (laughs) Mormons behaving badly. We are going to have lots of Mormons behaving badly. So we'll just wait for that. Yes. (laughs) All right. So shall we move on to our favorite things? Yes. All right. Why don't you start with your favorite thing? All right. My favorite thing this month is very similar to one I talked about probably over a year ago. Okay. Uh, You know I have sung the praises of the Walmart pickup. Yes. Well, recently Target has started to offer a drive-up service. Oh. Similar to Walmart pickup. Um, Now, normally I like to go into the Target because I like to browse because I am a mom. one of those stores you have to touch everything. (laughs) And that's what moms do. We go to Target and wander aimlessly. But this time of year when I am very busy, there have been several times where I've not had the time to go into the Target and browse. And their pickup is awesome. It's really fast. Unlike the Walmart where you have to do it the day before, you can order something anytime and it's available within like two hours. Oh, sweet. And you drive up to their little parking spot. uh, You hit that you're there and they come out. They're fast. They're faster than Walmart coming out. They come right out to your car and hand you your stuff. So... Well, it probably saves you less money if you're not in there browsing the Target, throwing things in your cart that you just have to have. Saves so much money, so much time. So Target, drive up, try it out. All right. So my favorite thing 
is a video. So we'll have to have Jeff put the link to this up. Okay. So Saturday Night Live this last week did a, you know how they do commercial parodies? Right. They did a parody on a Macy's, the department store commercial. So the first half of the commercial starts out with adults, you know, modeling their clothes, go to Macy's, get this, it's 25% off. Uh And then they get into kids' clothes. And they start talking about the horrors of dressing your children in holiday clothes, in sweaters that itch, pants that are too tight, shoes that are too pointy. (laughs) And it is so funny. There is a dad that's struggling to get this itchy sweater over a kid's head. Uh There is a mom who's walking out the door with her daughter in black patent leather shoes, complaining that the shoes are tight and the mom's going, oh, honey, get used to it. You're a woman. (laughs) There's a dad trying to buckle a kid into a car in a puffy coat. It is so hilarious. And so the the tagline (laughs) at the end is... um, Clothes they'll hate for memories you'll love. Oh, yes. That's perfect. It is probably one of the funniest Saturday Night Live commercials I have ever seen. Okay. I'm going to have to go watch that because I have had many a puffy coat and a car seat fight. What mom hasn't? (laughs) Okay. Okay. Well, I think that's about it for us. It does. For the month of December, I think... Jeff is planning some type of Christmas podcast for next week. So stay tuned for that. Yes. And so Twim Nation, we here, the Twim Sisters, want to wish you a very, very Merry Christmas. We hope that you get to enjoy it with your friends and family. But above all, please remember that Christmas is about Christ. And it's one of my favorite holidays because it is a religious holiday and we focus on the Savior and there's nothing more poignant in our lives than the Savior, His birth, and the example that He set for us. So that is my Christmas message for Twim Nation. Wonderful. All right. We're wishing you all a Merry Christmas. Good night. Oh, my friends, I've begun to worry right. Where I should be grateful, I should be satisfied Oh my heart, I would clap and dance in place With my friends I have so much pleasure to embrace But my heart is returned to Sister Winter